Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to us, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Before we do get started, I do want to encourage you that you can pick up your copy of All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet in any major ebook store. In it, we examine the careers and histories of seven great detectives of radio and uh, television and literature, including Poirot, Ani Dollar, Cannon, and Pete Malloy. Uh, we examine the careers and life lessons that can be learned from them. The book is available as an ebook in the Kindle, Nook, or iBook store. Well, now we're going to turn to an interesting period in the crime files of Lamont. Uh, what we've played so far is all of the 1940s uh, episodes of Flamond we have in existence. The series was revived in 1953 and again 1956-57-ish. Uh, um, all the programs we have are from the 53 revival, features Art McGuire in the role of Flamond. And there are no logs available, so we have no idea when the programs actually aired. Uh, we're going to go by the card file that's used at the end of the episode. Now, this may not be entirely reliable, because according to some sources, they changed sponsors, and there were breaks in the program where they might have started over again uh, during this brief run. And these do appear to be two lesser-known uh, Chicago actors. So that said, we're going to go ahead and take a listen to today's uh, Crime File of Flamont, and the title is The Case of the Winning Widow. The Crime Files of Flamont. Start a new file card, Miss Lake. Number 114. Check. Wife of efficiency expert. Sears' husband has clever plot to get rid of her. Requests immediate appointment. Flamond, the most unusual detective in criminal history. Flamond, famous psychologist and character analyst. Flamond, who looks beyond laughter and tears, jealousy and greed... To discover their basic origins. And now, card number 114 from the crime files of Flamont. Tonight's story opens in the home of Preston and Helen Garfield. It's a beautiful but too formally furnished home, done in the ultra-modern manner. Preston Garfield is looking for a match. Why isn't there a box of matches on this ashtray, Helen? Why? I don't know. I forgot it, I suppose. Oh, what difference does it make, Preston? What difference does it make? Helen, please. I investigated six different types of ashtrays before I bought these. This one provides a place for a box of matches. Do you realize how much bother, waste, motion, and convenience that saves? Preston, please. You work all day at being an efficiency expert. 
Why don't you relax? Relax? How can a man relax when... <sighs> I... Uh, I brought you a little present this evening, Helen. A present? What? Uh, not a box of candy. Oh, it looks like... It is. I just know it is. Oh, darling. Go ahead and open it. Please, Helen, cut the string at the knot. It's a little thing, I know, but it hurts me to see you destroying things. We have a whole ball of twine and extra wrapping paper in the kitchen, darling. And I'm so hungry for a piece of candy, I, I could tear the box to pieces. All right, go ahead. What? It's a book. Yes, and a very fine book, too. Efficiency in the home. Bradley Patch wrote it. He's a friend of mine, you know. I saw it in a book stand today, and I knew it could be extremely valuable to you, so I made it a requisition and sent it down to the purchasing department. We get a 5% discount that way, you know. I wish we had a fireplace in this room. Oh, I know you say fireplaces don't give you the maximum heat unit. But if I had a fireplace, I could toss the book in and watch it burn. Helen, are you deliberately trying to be disagreeable? I bring you a very useful gift, and you act like this. Well, what do you expect me to do? Dance up and down for joy? It's a very excellent book. Preston. Preston, don't you think our marriage was a mistake? Why, of course not. Oh, I forgot. You never make mistakes. But don't you think you could make a decided improvement on me? You're careless, but that can be remedied. If you just make an effort to conserve your energies, you'd be amazed at how much you could accomplish. Well, I don't want any help. I caught myself turning the broom around while I was sweeping the kitchen this morning. Good, I... good. You see, you're beginning to get the idea. By doing that, you increase the effective working life of the broom 25%. Now, that's very encouraging. It's very frightening. When I realized I was doing it, I stopped in a hurry. You mean you're deliberately trying to keep from being efficient? You're deliberately trying not to please me? I'm trying not to be a machine. Really, Helen? I have to put up with enough silly talk of that sort from the people whose work I improve. I, I don't blame them. Do you think workmen want to be made over to machines any more than I do? The human element has to interfere everything, of course. But there's no need to let emotionalism interfere with common sense. Oh, isn't there? Of course not. I'm not so sure. Take this ashtray that you were making such a fuss about a while ago. Oh, what of it? You bought it because you thought it was efficient. But that depends on how you want to use it. Oh, no. I checked all types. Suppose I want to use it to throw it at someone. It's large and cumbersome. I waste energy. Ah! What? What? Why, Helen, they're throwing that thing at me. You, you might have killed me. You see, Preston, there's another place where efficiency doesn't count. My not killing you was purely a matter of luck. You, you aimed that right for my head. Yes, I did, because I hate you. I can't set it any longer. I put up with your smug, self-satisfied attitude and your constant harangues on efficiency as long as I'm going to. We're through. That's a very foolish attitude to take, Helen. Well, maybe I want to be foolish. I'm leaving right now. And I'm starting action for divorce in the morning. Divorce? But that's not practical at all. You better won't be practical. Not for you. All those carefully engineered plans of yours for building a fortune are going to be blown sky high. Because I'm going to stick for every penny I can get. I've earned it. So that's your game, is it? There isn't a judge in the country who wouldn't award me all I ask when he hears what I've had to put up with. Entirely aside from the normal angle, Helen, divorce is economically unsound. It involves the support of two separate establishments where one would serve. Oh, shut up! I'm going upstairs to pack! Just a minute. There's somebody coming. Oh. Hello, Jay. Hi. How's the precision kid? Hello, Helen. 
Jay, I'm sorry, but Preston and I are having a little discussion. Discussion? You mean fight, don't you? Really, Jay? Oh, don't be so darn proper, Preston. Anybody could tell you've been having a quarrel. It's none of my business, but... You're quite right, Jay. It's none of your business. So if you'll just please run along... Oh, but I hate to see you two spatting. What's it all about? The usual thing, I'm sorry to say. Wayne Pace. What? Why, you liar. I haven't seen Wayne since... Helen, Jay's a family friend. There's no reason to try and hide it from him. You might as well face the facts that you and Wayne... Why, that's the most outrageous lie I ever heard in my life. Of all the... So that's your game, is it? You're going to try and smear me so that I can't get a divorce. Divorce? Now, say, listen, you two. She wants a divorce so she can marry Wayne Pace, Jay. And, uh, well, it happens that I'm crazy enough about it to fight it. But I didn't know... It's been pretty bad, Jay. And uh, humiliating. It's high time we had a showdown. Helen, what can you see in that louse? I don't get it. It's absolutely untrue, Jay. An out-and-out lie. I never... Oh, quit protesting, Helen. Frankly, Jay, I'm tired of it. Yeah. Let's say we go to a movie. Why, uh... All right. Preston, you come back here. If you think... I'm argued out, Helen. It's up to you to figure things out for yourself. Goodbye. No, you come back here. Jay, he's making up this every word of it. He can't go. Oh. Hello? Wayne? Wayne, this is Helen Garfield. Wayne, a person is... He's trying to involve you in something. I- I've got to see you right away. You will? Fine. Goodbye. Lamont, it's the most outrageous thing that ever happened. Wayne Pace came and I explained what Preston was trying to do. Trying to accuse us of being secret sweethearts. Wayne laughed. He thought it was funny. I don't see what should amuse him about that. But this morning, he called me on the phone and said he'd been thinking it over, and he decided there was no use fighting. That I could do what I chose, but he was going to confess the whole thing. Then you uh, had been seeing this Wayne Pace and this Garfield? No, Miss Nick. Well, you've got to believe me. I never liked the man. He's an oily sort. I, I scarcely know him. Why, I wouldn't have known him at all if Jay Gorman hadn't brought him around one night when we were first married. Oh. Wayne is a friend of Jay Gorman, then? Well, not exactly. Jay apologized later. Said Wayne Pace was a, a wrong person, and he was sorry he'd ever brought him to our home. But Pace is the sort of fellow who doesn't lose an opening. He drops in on us regularly. You're sure this is the truth, Mrs. Garfield? If your husband actually can prove anything... There's nothing to prove. Don't you see? He offered Wayne Pace money to back up that ridiculous story. There's nothing. And yet Wayne Pace says he's going to confess the whole affair. Preston's bribed him to perjure himself. It can't be anything else. Why, that's the filthiest trick I've ever heard of. Your husband must be a charming person. And this Wayne Pace can be much better. Maybe Preston Garfield has something on Pace. What you said about him, Mrs. Garfield, that would be possible. I don't know. I think the three of us had better have a talk with Pace. Try and find out what this is all about. 
Apparently, Mr. Face isn't at home. Maybe he saw us coming and doesn't want to talk to us. He'll talk to us, all right. The door isn't locked. Lamont, you're not going in if there's nobody here. I'd like to get a look at how the man lives. Oh, pretty fancy place. What business is Mr. Pace in, Mrs. Garfield? Investments, I guess. He said once when I asked him that he's a speculator. His speculations must have come out fairly well. Lamont, what if she's come in while we're here? He has no right to be here. He has no right to lie about Mrs. Garfield, either. A woman's handkerchief on the floor. Why? That's mine! You came here to talk to him before you came to my office, then. I thought you said that No! You... I've never been here in my life. Lamont, I'm afraid you're going to get into trouble. I don't think Mr. Pace is the kind of person who's going to get fussy about legal points, Sandra. Oh, cigarette with lipstick on it. What brand do you smoke, Mrs. Garfield? Why, that brand. And that's my shade of lipstick. But I've never been here before. Don't you see, Lamont? Mrs. Garfield's husband has given Wayne Pace that handkerchief and that cigarette stub to plant his evidence against her. <laughs> Lucky we got here. In that case, we'd better search the whole apartment with a fine-tooth comb. We'll just remove the evidence before there's any chance for it to be used. wonder what this room holds. That Lamont. body, is it Wayne Pace? Yes. He's he dead. Yes, and... Yes, and not long dead, either. Rigor Mortis hasn't said in yet. Body's still faintly warm. Come on. That towel on the floor by the bed. A revolver in it. I don't suppose you've ever seen it before. Why, yes. It's Preston's. He, he bought it one time when he got some letters about the way he was speeding up work at the plant. Where is he now? At the factory, I suppose. Let's be sure. You dial the factory number, Mrs. Garfield. All right. Hello? Preston Garfield, please. Is Preston there? Oh, yes, Miss Smith, I see. He's working on a time and motion study. Just a minute, let me have the phone. Thanks. How long has he been working on this study? Three hours. You're positive of that? Yes, well, it's absolutely imperative that I should talk to him right now. But this is a matter of life and death. Hang the study. Unless you put him on the phone, he's going to find himself accused of murder. And he may be anyway. Is that clear? Lamont, he, he's here. They said that... Looking for me, Helen? I... Oh. I'm sorry. I was too late to stop you from murdering him. Too bad about Wayne Pace's murder, isn't it? Or is it? From what little we've heard about the man, I wonder. And I wonder, too, how Preston Garfield's alibi is going to stand up. And now, Act Two of tonight's story. The scene is Lamont's office, and the psychologist detective is talking to the efficient Preston Garfield. Mr. Garfield, your secretary said you were in the plant doing a time and motion study when we called. I had been most of the morning. As a matter of fact, I'd left exactly 20 minutes before I arrived at Wayne Pace's apartment. I came by bus. I found that the bus makes it in two minutes less than the streetcar. Oh. 
So you've been to Wayne Place's apartment before? Why, yes, of course. I suppose you could prove you hadn't been outside the plant all morning. Certainly I can prove it. It so happens that the system I've installed makes it absolutely impossible for anyone to leave without there being a record of it. The system you installed? Yes. Then if the system could be beaten, you'd be the person most likely to know how to do it, wouldn't you? If the records don't convince you, there's a dozen people at the plant who can tell you how long I was there and when I left. Don't ever think I won't check on that, Mr. Garfield. I imagine you will. And I hope you do it, because it'll stop these ridiculous insinuations you're making. Yes? You mean about Pace's murder? Of course. Speaking of Wayne Pace's murder, Mr. Garfield, that brings up an interesting question. Just why did you leave the plant and come to his apartment when you did? Because I wanted to talk to him. How do you like your gun being found in Wayne Pace's bedroom? That doesn't worry me a bit. I didn't put it there. You're trying to throw suspicion for this murder on your wife, are you? I'm not throwing suspicion on anybody. I'm not at all concerned as to how the thing works out. Oh, but that's not so, Mr. Garfield. You are concerned. Only when my own name's involved in charges. No. Unless your wife is found guilty of the murder, you'll have the same problems on your hands as you did before Pace was killed. Oh? So she's told you how she was planning to keep me out of all my money? She told me she was planning a divorce. Did you get the additional information that she was planning to sue for every penny of alimony she could get? That she threatened to virtually break me? You don't feel she was entitled to any of your money, then? Of course I don't. She's been a very inefficient wife. She's wasted time and money. Then the one thing that concerned you wasn't her leaving you, but the money she might get from you. If you want to put it that bluntly, yes. That's why you cooked up that story of your wife and Wayne Pace being in love with each other. Yes. You admit the whole story was false. Yes. Although I doubt that you'll press the matter in court, if and when Helen comes to trial for murder. Is that so? And why won't I press it? Because I'll be forced to tell the whole story. That interests me, Mr. Garfield. Just what is the whole story? I thought Helen was going to gouge me out of my money. Money I've worked hard to get. So I went to Wayne Pace with a business deal. What kind of a business deal? I told him that I'd give him $500 if he'd admit in court that he'd been having an affair with my wife. $500 to perjure himself? Oh, perjury wouldn't have bothered him any. He took my offer in a hurry. It was all set. Everything agreed. And you furnished him with things to prove your wife had been there, didn't you? No. All I needed was his word. I have a different idea of what might have happened, Mr. Garfield. Yes? You furnished Wayne Pace with one of your wife's handkerchiefs, a cigarette stub with a lipstick on it. Those things would have been easy for you to get. You'd offered him $500, all right, to fool him and to give your wife a motive for murder. It gave her a motive, certainly. But you didn't like the idea of parting with $500, and so you killed Wayne Pace, thus avoiding payment of that money and putting your wife in a position where she'd inevitably be accused of the murder. That's ridiculous. I was in the factory at the time of the murder, and you have to face that fact. I'm also facing the fact that you are an efficiency expert. Oh, Sandra, Mrs. Garfield. Hello, Helen. Aren't you going to say hello to your husband, Mrs. Garfield? No. You see, Flamand, she hates me because I trapped her. I tricked her into doing what I wanted her to do. You see, Helen, I knew you were the emotional type, and so I contrived something to make you furious at Wayne Pace. I did it deliberately, knowing what would happen. I bribed Wayne Pace to lie. I had an idea you did. And it didn't raise you any in my estimation. That doesn't concern me. I know his lying would make you so mad you'd kill him, and that's exactly what you did. I don't have to pay him any $500, and I don't have to pay you any alimony. 
I'm rid of you without it costing me a dime. It's a beautiful frame-up, Preston. Very efficient. You thought out every angle, didn't you? Only instead of killing him, I went to a detective. I'm surprised you thought things out enough to do that, Helen. But you went to the detective after you killed Wayne Pace. Why, you... Flamand, he killed Wayne himself. Rather a difficult problem, Helen. A person can't be in two places at once. Most people could. But a very efficient person? I wonder. Why, hello, Preston. Come on in. What brings you here? I wanted to talk to you, Jay. Why, sure, Press. Get it off your chest. Well, they aren't suspecting you of Wayne Pace's murder, are they? Whether they suspect me or not doesn't make any difference. They could never prove me guilty, not in a thousand years. Well, I wouldn't blame you if you had killed the guy, Press. Not after what he'd done to your home. He hadn't done anything to my home, Jay. That was all a little frame-up I was working on Helen. Then... I, I don't get it. I, I thought you had a perfectly good reason for killing him, but if, if you didn't, what was the idea? I thought I had a beautiful plan, Jay. I know all about Helen's temper and... Then Helen's story was true. You actually did bribe Wayne Pace to lie. Oh, that's what I wondered about, Jay. Uh, whether you knew about that or not. I see you do. Well, Helen told me, but I didn't know whether to believe her or not. Then you think she... No. No, I don't think she killed him, Jay. She should have, but somebody interfered with my plans. I had a very efficient, clever, foolproof setup, and somebody stepped in and spoiled it. I don't get you. I think you do, Jay. You knew all about the fight Helen and I were having. You knew I'd involved Wayne Pace. You were a frequent visitor at our home. You dropped in yesterday to try to talk Helen to patching things up. That gave you a chance to get her handkerchief, a cigarette stub, and my revolver. You must be out of your head, Press. No. It was perfect for you. Everything all set to point suspicion elsewhere. Not a thing in the world to link you with the murder. Why did you kill him, Jay? Uh, you haven't given anybody else this idiotic guff about me, have you? No, I wanted to talk to you. Oh, that wasn't up to your usual par, Press. Not very efficient. What? I'm just afraid you'll never get a chance to tell anybody else, Press. I'll have to kill you, too. Jay, put down that gun. What, what, what? This is Wayne Pace's gun, Press. It'll be found at your house, right along with your body. You know what they'll think, don't you? But Helen killed you, too, because you'd found out how she'd murdered Wayne Pace. Yes. You wouldn't kill me. I'm afraid I'll have to, Press. Why did you kill Wayne Pace? <laughs> he was the dirtiest crook I'd ever known in all my life. Agreeing to take that 500 from you shows how slimy he was. You know, in a way, Press, you have this coming to you. The deal you tried to give Helen. Why did you kill Wayne Pace? He pretended to be a friend of mine. I introduced him to some friends socially. He blackmailed them. And in one case, he implicated me. I don't suppose I'd ever have thought of killing him, but the chance you gave me was just too good. You fool. Helen would have killed him anyway. I don't think so. Come on. I'll have this revolver right in my pocket and you're walking down to your car with me. Now, look, Jay. There's no reason to kill me. Between us, we, we can still pin Wayne Pace's murder on Helen. You think I'd trust a guy who offered a rat $500 to involve his wife? Get moving, Chris. Timing's important, Chris. Timing like I used when I followed Helen to the detective. You're out of your mind. If that detective walks in and finds you here... But he won't. 
I figured how long it would take you to check your alibi. I'm pretty efficient, too. Helen should get back in about five minutes now, and the detective should get here in about ten. That'll be just about right to get her convicted of your murder. No. No, listen, Jay. Uh, listen to reason. You can't... Sorry, Press. Got to keep on schedule. Well, I was just too late, I guess, Jay. Well? Want to give me the gun? I'll give it to you, all right, you... They said you hadn't arrived at the plant. How'd you get here so fast? It... I never went to the plant, Jay. Preston Garfield was altogether too efficient. I knew I'd find things exactly as he said, so I didn't bother. Instead, I went to your apartment. My apartment? Yes. You look like a pretty logical suspect. All right, you... You can't go on killing forever, Jay. Not without getting caught. No, I'll... Be... Oh, my arm! Oh, what the... I've been hidden behind this curtain ever since you and Preston got here, Jay. And you... You let me kill Preston? Why, I... She was afraid to shoot until somebody was here to help her. Isn't that right, Mrs. Garfield? Why, yes. Yes, of course. Well, I guess you win. Here, Flamand. Might as well take this gun. Oh, no. He's scared to death of guns. Sandra, I thought I told you to stay away from here. Where'd you come from? Why, I followed you, Flamand. I didn't want to miss the excitement. I'll take the gun, Mr. Hayes. No, Sandra. You might get hurt. No, no. I think the gunplay is finished. And isn't it odd how the inefficient people are all right and the efficient ones, well, they're not doing so well. Lamond and Sandra will be back in a moment to give you the basic clue in tonight's story. And now the basis of tonight's story. Lamont, how did you ever happen to get suspicious of Jay? Because he was the one logical suspect. I failed to see it. Preston Garfield was altogether too efficient, too shrewd, and too cautious to ever commit murder. I know, but he was such an unlikable person. Helen Garfield might have been the killer, but the handkerchief and cigarette stub told me she wasn't. Well, they were clues pointing directly towards her. She may have been careless, but no murderer would lead a detective back to the scene of the crime without first checking to see there weren't any clues around. One other person knew about the mix-up. That person was Jay. Helen Garfield had told us Jay disliked Wayne Face. Simple enough, isn't it? Certainly. Well, anyway, I have the title for tonight's file card. Oh? What is it? I'm calling it... The Case of the Winning Widow. The Case of the Winning Widow, card number 114 from the Crime Files of Flamand, featured Hart McGuire as Flamand and Sheila Sewell as Sandra Lake. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site. We stream live OTR Westerns 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, along with putting out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. 
Welcome back. Well, I was kind of uh, surprised when at the end of the day, the first person to get killed wasn't the efficiency expert. I expected his death to be the focal point of the story, but uh, it wasn't, and I was shocked by that. Um, clearly, one of the um, more uh, annoying characters that you'll run across in old-time radio. In fact, I think it's possible that the writer might have anticipated the audience required the catharsis uh, as the reason for the second murder. At any rate, we do turn to listener comments and feedback, and we have this from Joan, uh, who says that uh, she really... Uh, I really enjoyed the Crime Files of Lamont, the case of 24 bottles. It was very interesting and kept me guessing to the end. Uh, thanks for showing, uh, sharing the show with us. Regards, Joan. Well, thanks so much for your kind comments, Joan. And that will actually uh, do it for today. We will be back uh, tomorrow with the adventures of Philip Marlowe. And then join us again next Tuesday for another episode of the Crime Files of Lamont. Uh, but from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.